Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. guys welcome back to another episode of the chasing tales outdoor podcast thank you so much for tuning in and if this is your first time welcome to the show my name is walt and on this episode we just talk about the experience we have a good time we share a bunch of stories and we hope that that inspires you to get outside and and hustle a little harder or or last a little longer in the deer stand or scout a little harder whatever your your outdoor uh, pleasure might be we just hope this motivates you to get outside and enjoy that a little bit more now, I am joined by my co-host from the other side of the Florida, central Florida, I should say, Chase Dude. How are you doing? I am doing pretty good right now. I was a little under the weather earlier this week, so it may come through a little bit on my voice. I may sound a little bit different uh, this <laughs> week on the podcast. Uh, the whole family's kind of had this chest cold thing, we coughing, kind of won't go away. So hopefully I won't cough too much uh, on this episode. I'll try to turn my head. But other than that, man, I'm doing good. I've been out uh, scouting, trying to get on a uh, deer. Uh, been checking my cameras here a bunch. I the, my my giant buck. I'm I don't know where he's at right now. He kind of disappeared last year too, around this time. So uh, I'm not too worried about it. But it's just kind of I've got like, my two main places that I hunt and got cameras out and moving around a little bit, just doing some uh, different stuff, just trying to make things happen. It seems like the rut. The peak of the rut's kind of gone now, and it's kind of there's the doe groups are kind of back together. What I'm noticing on my cameras, as opposed to them being like alone or a couple of them, now I'm seeing like four or five does grouped up um, in front of the cameras. So I think we're kind of at the end of that part of the rut, and then 
we'll have like another little secondary rut here in a few weeks. Um, and then it'll just be, you'll be out there hunting. <laughs> so it'll just be back to hunting, uh, yeah. at, at least down here. So that that's where I'm at right now, dude. You are coming off uh, something awesome. So why don't you uh, give the listeners uh, a little bit of that? Yeah, I mean, so I have, the, the monkey is officially off the back. I have broke the drought. Uh, you had a bold prediction that I would fill all five tags, and I am one-fifth of the way there officially. So <laughs> I, we, uh, we, we've, it's been a struggle, but uh, this past weekend I shot uh, uh, the, my first public land deer. Let's see if I can get this right. My first public land deer. My first deer with my new bow, the first deer out of the saddle, the first deer since 2016. I went back and looked at the ledger. It was 16, not 15. Okay. Um, it was, and, and my first video, uh, my first uh, deer kill, animal critter kill on video. I got it all on video, too. So a lot of firsts this past weekend. So we're, uh, we're coming out of an illness ourselves, too. So if I'm a little sniffly, guys, I apologize because I've had, like, a little sinus thing. My wife has had a cold. So it's, it's just running through Florida right now. But uh, – <laughs> It's uh, it's a good time. It, it it's a good it's a good house right now, full of meat. And uh, I just had deer heart for the first time uh, in my life. I saved the deer heart, and that is the best meat. If you are not saving deer heart off your deer, there is something seriously wrong with you because that is a delicious piece of meat. <laughs> yeah, I, I have. I can honestly say I've never had deer heart. Um, my, really? Myself, I just wasn't ever. No one ever told me about getting the heart. Like when I first started hunting, like when I was going through the cleaning process and my mentors or whatever, the heart was never mentioned on something to eat. And then I sure. just never uh, correlated that to when I started seeing, I was like, I did see a few people eating the deer heart or whatever and had right. kind of heard some mixed reviews or whatnot. So I just had never was never really crossed my mind to take the heart here recently. And then you kind of mentioned it a couple of days ago about the heart. And I was like, you know what, man, the next deer I kill, I'm definitely going to take the heart. And I'm going to eat that sucker. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't know anybody that does. I mean, even around here, even all my buddies, none of them ever mentioned eating deer yeah. hunting. Yeah. Well, the the funny thing is I grew up on a deer hunting camp, and there was this old New Yorker dude. He was really weird, like super, super weird. And whenever he came around, you couldn't get him to leave sometimes. But he, he nice guy. He was just kind of weird. And he would come up to the skin and station and be like, you, you going to keep that heart? And we're like, no. He's like, oh, I'll take it. I'll take it. And he, and, and, it was always an easy way to befriend the guy. You'd give it to him. But it was always like this taboo thing, like, ooh, you're going to eat the heart. Well, I saw, I think, Meat Eater. Yeah, it was a Meat Eater episode, and they cooked the heart of something. And I was like, man, that really looks good. Dude, I can tell you right now, I think the best meat, easily off of a deer, the best meat is the heart. And it might be the best red meat I've ever had in my entire life. And I have paid for some ridiculously expensive steaks no lie, it beats every piece of red meat I've ever had. It's it, it's incredible, super tender, and and the the flavor. The only way you can cook heart wrong is if you don't prepare it properly, and by that I mean clean it. Like you have to cut the gristle and the valves and stuff out of it. Right. But if you do that, the meat is like you can stare at it too aggressively and cut it. It's that tender. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I so. watched some videos on people preparing it and cooking it up, and I mean, it it looks like a good cut of meat. Uh, so I'm going to definitely go out and try that for sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't really have anything to lose. I mean, you're saying it tastes 
better than filet mignon, so I, I might oh, as well it's, it's, uh, yeah. go for it. <laughs> and I don't know if you're speaking of that because you've just got a kill and it's been a while and all of that good stuff. <laughs> that could be part of it, but I doubt it. I mean, no, the guy I saw it's cook not. it, he was like, he made like a stir fry out of it, um, and it looked oh my it god, looked it's, delicious. Yeah. I was like, "Wow, that looks that looks really good." Um, so I, I I'm gonna try it. I'm going for it. I I can tell you right now, I would trade away the entire cooler of meat that I have right now for two more deer hearts. <laughs> it's that good. I mean, seriously, it is that. It is next level. I mean, stir fry is how I'm gonna cook it the next time. I'm gonna slice it up a little thinner and make make it with some like some red onions and. Uh, green and red bell peppers and stuff, and, and, and just, oh, my God, dude, fajitas or something with that. Yeah, that'd be Jeez. great. I mean, it was just, it was delicious. So, yeah, man, it, it, it was good, but um, don't don't save your deer hearts. If you haven't, uh, get past, and, and I won't lie to you guys. I'm not going to sit here and, and act like it didn't wig me out that I was eating deer heart, like heart as a whole. I kind of had like a squeamish feeling until <laughs> I took the first few bites, and after that, Elena, God bless her soul, she tried. You could see it in her eyes. She was trying to like participate. And she's like, I just can't get past the past the part that the, the fact that it's heart. And I was like, Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I I don't want to share anyways. <laughs> I had that happen. Have you ever had uh what is it, trash can panda before? Coon? Have you ever yeah. eaten coon yeah. before? Oh yeah. I um, mean it took me a while because there was a guy from work, his dad cooks coon. And I was just kinda like, Oh man, I, I don't I don't know if I can eat this. Just I don't really know why, but the way he cooked it, I mean, it was like he cooked it in a stew or whatever, and I could not tell oh. the difference between, like, a beef stew or that coon. Because, I mean, it's like a real red meat, uh, the coon is. Right. And they're, they're clean animals to begin with. I mean, they're super yep. clean. I mean, it was delicious. and it, But it was just that getting over that it was a, that you were eating a mm -hmm. coon, which was, I was like, well, I eat all this other stuff, so I should be able right. to get past this. Uh, and those guys at work or whatever, I mean, they love that stuff. I mean, you, you, if you handed it to somebody and they tasted it, they wouldn't know the difference. I mean, it looks exactly like it. I'm not, I'm not surprised in the slightest. And to be honest with you, um, have you had armadillo? No, I've never had armadillo. Dude, it is like pork on steroids. I, the best barbecue I've ever had in my entire life. My dad smoked armadillo for me one time because I told him, and in my 16 years of wisdom, uh, I told him I would never, ever eat something like armadillo. It's disgusting. And <laughs> he took that challenge to heart, went and shot an armadillo, cleaned it, barbecued it, and I stuffed my face. I mean, I'm talking to the point where, like, you could open – I could open my mouth and you could see the barbecue stuck in my throat, okay? Like, I had eaten that much. And then he told me, hey, hey that's armadillo. That's – yeah, you're eating what you said you would never eat before. I was like, oh, my God, okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. The, never again am I going to sit here and tell somebody I'll never have something. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I ever heard from armadillos is that they carry, what is it, leprosy or something like that, or can yes. carry leprosy yes. or something. And uh, salmonella, so you have to cook it thoroughly. Um, right. But, I mean, that's, I mean, most things you have to cook thoroughly anyways. I mean, there's very few things in this world you can just, like, Deer is one of the few wild games I can think of that you really – and duck, deer and duck. Everything right. else you want to kind of cook pretty thoroughly. It's a red <laughs> in the good. Yeah. Well, before we get too much further into this episode, why don't we thank the people that make it possible and then we can move on from there. Yeah, let's do it. Guys, this show is brought to you by Tethered Nation. They are the title sponsor of this podcast. As we're probably going to discuss, I got my first saddle kill this past weekend, and I honestly believe, and you'll see why – that my saddle kill only happened, or my, that my bow kill only happened because of the saddle. Uh, so if you haven't already, check them out, www.tetherednation.com. 
And uh, if you have an order, let them let us know in the let them know in the comments that we sent you. Uh, if you got any questions, reach out to us. <clears throat> I'm officially a, vet, a, a saddle hunting veteran um, professional. <laughs> I can put that on my card. <laughs> I called you. I call you a rookie. <laughs> a rookie. Okay, Greenhorn. Greenhorn. <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, between Chase and I, we can probably answer your questions, and we monitor our social very frequently. So reach out if you got a question. If you if you're if you're scared about it, if you're scared of heights, anything like that, one of us has got the answer for you. Because I'm scared of heights. I had all kinds of fears going into it, but it's an awesome system. It'll change the way that you hunt. TetherNation.com. Now, Patreon subscribers. If you guys don't know what Patreon is, it is a platform where you can donate monthly to the operating costs of this show. It doesn't cost us a whole lot of money to operate this podcast, but it does cost us something, and we're moving into video. We're moving into trying to travel a little bit for these podcasts, do them in person instead of remotely so that the dynamic changes. And if you decide to donate to Patreon, you're donating to that growth, and you're helping us grow the channel. So, Check it out, www.patreon.com forward slash Chasing Tales Outdoors. To make your life easy, scroll through the show notes. It's at the bottom. We make it real easy for you. One way that we say thank you is we are doing quarterly giveaways. And this quarter, we're going to be giving away two Havilon Peranta knives. Now, I can honestly say that these knives are amazing. I used my Havilon Peranta for the first time, and I cleaned the entire deer with one blade, and it is still plenty sharp. I plan on cleaning and deboning the rest of the meat after it ages in the cooler. So these are some really cool knives. I'm probably going to do a little YouTube video about it and tell you why I like it. We're going to do a gear review and put that item on Patreon for you to see. It'll be a Patreon-exclusive video. And in addition to that, we're giving you early access to all of our videos before we drop them to YouTube. Right now, as you're listening to this, there is an episode on Patreon that you can listen to before it ever makes it to YouTube. So we're trying to provide you a little bit of a benefit there. We just put in a hat order. So I've got a bunch of hats coming for the Patreons who have supported the $10 tier. And we would just appreciate it if you'd go over there, check it out, and uh, consider contributing to the show because it, uh, it made, this, it made this, that video that you're going to watch possible because the funds uh, helped pay for that video camera I shot it with. So thank you guys so much for, for all, the, all the support. It's awesome. I think with that, Chase, all the business is out of the way. Dude, have you have you seen any more big deer? Like, what what's up with Apollo? Like, <laughs> uh, I have not. It's probably been about probably been about two weeks since I've seen since I've gotten a picture of him. Uh, that was actually on a scrape. Uh, this camera that I've had on a scrape for a little while, and he was coming okay. through there a little bit. Uh, but I have not gotten a picture of him since I think around November eighth or so was the last time I got a picture of him. Uh, I'm not too worried about that because last year I had pictures of him and he was in an area and then all of a sudden he disappeared. Uh, and then I probably didn't get another around the same time and it, I probably didn't get another picture of him for like three weeks or so um, after that okay. picture. So he may go somewhere. Um, I mean, there are some areas around there where he could kind of go where he may go try to – he may be trying to breed some other does or he knows an area where the does come in this time of year. And he, he could be over there. Um, so I'm just kind of monitoring my cameras right now, just trying to see if I can get a picture of him and get a, another game plan for him. Last year, kind of towards around this time, he like I said, I walked up on him uh, at one point last year. Um, and it was probably around this time as well. So And there's plenty of places that he could move around where I don't have cameras, where I wouldn't catch a picture of him. 
Um, he's not a deer that moves a ton in the daylight. I mean, he does. There are times where he he's on the camera in the daylight and stuff, but there's also a lot of pictures of like nighttime movement for him. And it's just right. and it's super thick in that place, anyways. So it, it's kind of hard to know. I, I've been hunt, I've been kind of laying off that area a little bit as well. Um, my father-in-law's been hunting it in some spots that we haven't hunted this year. Um, he's been seeing some deer, but he he hasn't. He definitely hasn't laid eyes on him uh, this season. So it, it's I, I'm not giving up on him. It's just I, I'm just kind of uh, shifting my focus a little bit. Maybe trying to find some other deer as well. Because whenever I took out that big seven point that, that on my last kill, I, I figured I was like, well, I've taken him out. He was kind of a dominant buck in that area, although he he was broken. Right. So the, he may have. Who knows? He may have fought in Apollo at one point. Uh, to get broken off. Um, cause he, he very much so lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Um, he definitely lost that battle. He was a bigger buck, and, and I always have kind of heard, like, if you take out some of the bigger bucks in your area, that other bucks will kind of move right. in. Because um, we had a bunch of bucks at the beginning of the season, and a lot of those bucks have kind of – they all kind of dispersed um, right around the beginning of the season, right when the, the velvet came off kind of like they normally would or whatever. Um, so my, my hope is is that maybe something else will move in. And in years past, I've also had uh, deer kind of move in towards the end of the season because there's not a lot of pressure where we're at. So I'll get deer that kind of move in. And it was a few years ago, I mean, it was like right at the end of the season, I had this huge 10-point that, that came through that I got on camera in a couple of different areas. So I, I'm just I'm kind of waiting for that. Um, I sent you a picture of a deer today that I have on camera. Um, he's broken. He's broken like – probably half of his right side off. Um, but I think that he is a deer that I have a lot of history with. Um, it, it's hard to tell with that side, that particular piece being broken off. Right. The left side looks like that deer, but without the full right side to know, I mean, he, he's always been a nine point. Um, his left side's always had four points. Right side's always had like that crab claw at the end um, to make him five on that side. His G2s have always been quite a bit shorter. Uh, then his G3s, which on the left side, that's the case for this deer. It's hard to tell how old this deer looks kind of uh, from from the cameras. Um, some, sometimes right. they kind of fool you um, how old they are. And at this point, uh, they've probably lost probably 20, 30 pounds from, from rutting and stuff like that. So that, that's hard to tell. So I, I, if I go in and hunt this deer, I'm going to have to look real hard at them before I make a decision. Because <laughs> I've been chasing that. That's the first deer I ever really kind of pursued in this area that we're hunting this is the third year and i had a bunch of pictures of them the first year uh, a bunch of pictures of them last year I had an encounter with them i've only had one encounter with them uh so far and that was last year um so he, he's been a tough deer and i haven't really had pictures of him this year last year and the year before i i had pictures of him i, I don't know if he's finally just kind of made his way uh to this property and he, he's kind of working in an area where he would typically this time of year so that's right. what kind of makes me think it could be him as well. He was in there. He's he was in there quite a bit yesterday, and he was in there today. He was in there like yesterday evening around five o'clock, and then he was also in there throughout the night. And then he was there this morning, probably around seven. And then he also came back through again around noontime. Um, so he's working that area pretty hard. I don't know if there's just a, yeah, a hot so. doe in that area or what. He's got a smell or something where he's just working back and forth trying to find it or not. My plan is I'm going to go in in the morning and uh, just see and, and set up in that area and just see if I can lay eyes on him just to kind of confirm 
maybe if that's him or not him. So sure. that's my that's my current plan, and then that's that's what I'm currently doing and and trying. <laughs> yeah, um, and I've got my other place that I hunt as well. I've got uh, some cameras set up there. Um, some of the neighbors have planted some green fields, um, which they always do. But this is they kind of planted it in a different location this year. So I'm just putting some cameras in that area. Um, last year I had a big buck show up uh, at the end of the season. He was broken too, but he looked younger. Um, so I was like, well, he's going to get a pass for, for this year and, uh, let's see what he does, uh, this yeah. next year, if he shows back up. I mean, he was, that's probably the first deer that I've ever consistently seen, like a, a buck that size consistently seen. Um, I saw him on four different hunts and every time there was plenty of daylight, like he, he would come out and there would be plenty of daylight, which I, I was like, well, this deer, uh, is definitely in this area and. I was like, well, I'm just going to have to try that again next year to see if I can get on that deer and uh, see if he – because he had potential to be a really good deer, especially for Florida um, this year. So those are the things that I'm working on right now. Uh, that could change. I could catch another deer on camera next week and then be after that deer. So <laughs> right. I kind of move back and forth, um, especially this time of year. Like I said, the hunting's about to get uh, – I wouldn't say it, – it's going to get a little bit harder. Um, because once they stop like pursuing does and stuff, um, they're going to kind of be in that region mode and right. they just, they kind of disappear for a little while. Um, so it, it gets a little bit harder. And then you, you're seeing like what I've been seeing here for a little while now is I'm seeing a ton of just the, the one and a half year old bucks. <laughs> the one and a half year old bucks are visible. I mean, I sat the other day and saw like seven different ones. <laughs> Um, right. They were out moving. They were still kind of trying to mess with does and stuff like that. And they'll kind of take, they'll kind of peter off here, um, here shortly and they'll get bachelored back up. That's what always normally happens around this, uh, maybe another couple of weeks. They'll, they'll kind of do that. That's it, man. But I think the focus of this podcast is to talk about your success in the woods this past weekend. So why don't we shift focuses, focus to yeah. there and let's talk about that because it has been a while. There's a lot of, like I said, you had a lot of first, um, a lot of emotion came from this. So <laughs> yeah. I think we should, and you, it, once the video is out on YouTube, people will get to see that, um, which, which will be cool. So, and, and yeah. you did a great job. I mean, I, I've seen the video. So, I mean, it was, it was really good. I thought for a, a first kill on video. Well, thank you, dude. I mean, I'm, I am ridiculously proud of how it turned out. I'm, I'm in no way or shape or form trying to say that it is uh professional or anything like that but I feel like I did a really good job of of capturing the moment um the video turned out insanely clear which was accidental because I'm going to be honest with you I just got this camera and it was running on autofocus <laughs> so you know I mean it was it was full auto settings guys I mean I'm in my infancy of this but I mean I've I told you before we started recording I've watched that video no less than a dozen times it is remarkably cool to be able to sit there and think god that was such a fun hunt. Well, you know what? Why don't you just watch it? Duh, that's what I'm going to do. And you pull it up, and you just watch the hunt, you know? I mean, it's, you know, it's not a photo. It's not a me just a memory in your head. You can literally watch it happen. So I am thoroughly addicted to, to uh, filming my hunts. I'm not probably going to take it every hunt, the camera every hunt. I'm not promising that. But, yeah, man, I mean, this this story, and I, I'm, I've been thinking about this uh, since we, d we scheduled this podcast on how I was going to tell this story, but... We're talking about a doe here, and I'm, and I'm going to try not to bore you guys, but it's it, it'd be a disservice if I didn't give you guys kind of the backstory to this. So 
I'll be brief as I can, but it's important because this dough means the world to me. Um, in 2015, I moved to Florida to be with my wife while she got her master's degree. And in that time, I knocked on doors and I got access to this awesome piece of private land. And I shot my biggest buck there that year. It was amazing. The very next year, I shot a smaller deer. So 2016, shoot a smaller deer, um, filled the freezer, and then I wounded a very nice eight point, probably the equivalent of what I've got on the wall, which is my personal best. And developed target panic. You you actually, uh, you and I became friends right about the time that um, that happened. And you know that that was something I had to work through. Um, in that time, I switched from being right-eye dominant or right sh- shooting right-handed to moving left-handed. And I had some equipment that wasn't quite fitting me properly. Um, made a switch, but in that time uh, that it took, I didn't hunt the rest of that 2016 season. So 2017 was the, the next year that I hunted. In that time, I was getting my master's degree, so I didn't get a whole lot of time in the woods, and I lost access to my to that to that private land. So, I had to learn public land, and that's something I had never done before. And Florida is ridiculously different than like every other state that I've hunted. And Georgia, the public land, it's pretty much like the season's in, you can hunt it, go ahead. But in Florida, it's like, well, if it's a full moon and it's the first Tuesday of the month, you can hunt it. But, you know, other than that, you know, you got to wait until you get drawn for a quota or something. It's just, it's really weird and it was daunting. And honestly, I just focused on school more than I hunted. Started studying for my CPA the very next year, built a house that year. I, what I'm trying, we dodged a Category 5 hurricane the, the very next year uh, after we built our house and moved in. The picture I'm trying to paint is I had a lot going on in my life, and I didn't get a whole lot of hunting done. Um, so last year was the first year that I really started. I, you know, Chase and I were talking, and, and, and I had a lot of people encouraging me in my life, and I started really breaking down public land. But last year was a grind and it ended with a wonderful experience that just left me heartbroken because I had a beautiful buck uh, walk past me the very last hunt of the year and didn't get a shot. And it just lit a fire under me like, okay, you know, it was kind of some validation that I know what I'm doing. It just, you know, I had to learn this area. And the entire off season, I was running cameras and I was I was scouting and, and, and a lot of aerial footage. And I, I studied the, the primary food sources in this area and literally from the very first weekend, all the public that I had scouted was being pressured way more than I expected. And I got frustrated from the jump. You know that. Um, it, <laughs> it was frustrating. It, it was, uh, there were at least two hunts that I couldn't hunt because I would hunt for, I'd walk from spot to spot and every spot that I had picked out and scouted had a dude in it. And that's some Michigan style crap right there. That's not, <laughs> that's not what you really expect in Florida. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it was, it was different. Um, so we called an audible, you and I put our heads together and I said, dude, listen, I think I'm done with these pieces of public that are close to closer to city limits. Um, they weren't in city limits, but they were closer to town. And I was like, I think I'm going to drive way out as far as I can get from from civilization and start studying some of these other pieces because I really felt like the sign was, you know, I, I had I had all the pieces there. I just couldn't get away from people, and it was it was agonizing. So I went out and and started scouting this next piece and started finding tracks and started busting deer and, um, you know, it, it, it suddenly the encounters started to increase, and this past Sunday. I overslept, 
right. <laughs> the first the, the that that morning, my wife's like, "Listen, you you know you only get so many opportunities to hunt. You need to go." So I went back in this spot and 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 hunted and and sat probably till about 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 30 and started scouting these bottoms and trying to understand where these deer were coming from and. I got on, you know, got on the horn with you and started telling you, like, I feel like the deer are coming from this area. They're moving through here. They've got to be feeding in these pines, these young pines, because there's just no hard mast. So they're going to be feeding where there's still green, uh, green browse for them. And you said, hey, man, why don't you get up and just do an observation hunt? You need to quit getting so deep in the, in the areas. And you kept kind of pushing, just get up somewhere where you can see a good ways and just watch deer. Figure out where they're moving. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to admit this on the air. I haven't told you this yet, so this is the first time you're hearing this. I didn't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I really did not want to do that because I really felt like I had already figured out, like I, again, I go back to, I feel like I'm a better hunter than my record the past couple years have shown. And I, I feel like I could probably get back in that bottom and get on deer. That is my strong suit. It's how I've killed all my big deer. And or the majority of my deer as a whole. And I was like, you know what? Chase has already got some big deer on the ground. The dude knows what he's talking about. (laughs) He's giving you some solid advice. Go up there. And even when I'm walking into this pine thicket, I'm trying, I had to talk myself out of hunting a tree that was too close to where these deer were coming out. And I was like, just stick to the freaking game plan. (laughs) Be patient. And I picked a tree that was like 75, 80 yards from where I thought these deer might be coming from. No lie. I was like, you are just going to just stick to the script. Don't overthink this. You're going to sit here, get some awesome B-roll. You're going to have a cool little video. You'll probably get a deer and some turkey on footage. That was my thinking. I went into this hunt with zero expectation besides <laughs> just watching deer and being happy out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the I had the whole reason I told you to get where you can see. Well, a lot of you've been hunting a lot. You hadn't seen any deer. Like most of your hunts, yeah. you go in. Um, you had sent me kind of some video of kind of how you were hunting or whatnot. I noticed, yep. I was like, man, I was like, he's, he's kind of in some thick stuff, um, yep. right now. And he's saying he's not seeing deer. So I'm like, how about a little confidence booster? I was like, right. get where you can see, get in a place where you can see a ways. I mean, that doesn't mean that you will still won't kill a deer. I mean, I've had that sure. happen plenty of times where I just get, I was like, Hey, I just want to go see a deer today. That that's my goal yep. is let's just see a deer see where they're coming from, see what their movement is, and, and kind of put a game plan together. And then what you don't realize is that you're where there's deer moving in that area. You just didn't know it because you're right. always hunting in these super thick areas, and you would have never have known that unless you just set up in a place you could see. That's where I, I kind of always go back to when I'm not really seeing deer or, or things aren't happening for me. I just go get in a tree where I can see a long ways. Um, just as, like you said, an observation hunt. A lot of hunting right. is scouting. So I figure, yep. hey, let me put in this time now. Yes, I'm kind of – I figure I was like, well, I might be throwing a hunt away, but I might not be. I might be – this might be the right spot. I don't know. So I'm just going to set up here and, and see what happens, and then I'll just kind of go from there. So that that's kind of – that was kind of my thinking on, hey, get where you can see, man. Just get where you can go see a deer while you're out in the woods uh, Right. set up in a tree. Well, and that was a good idea for a variety of reasons, one of which was like even Elena this year recognized after I kind of felt like I had been punched in the nuts a little bit, like my whole game plan had kind of like gone to crap and I was feeling discouraged from the start. And, you know, I'm being transparent about this, guys, because this is the only way I know how to be. I literally was like 
how could you put so much time into this and be so frustrated this early? Like I just all my spots, my A, B, all the way through F and G on this these two pieces of of public were gone. And Elena's like, hey, you know, you, you can't kill anything if you're not out there, and you're really kind of you're struggling to get the motivation. Like you're oversleeping. Like you just need to get out there and go do things. And then you're telling me this, and I'm like, okay, there's a reason why everybody's saying this. I need to get out there. I need to do this. And um, you know, Dan Infault, the reason why I was hunting so thick was because, you know, on these heavily pressured pieces, you got to go where those deer are going to feel safe and maybe get away from people. But Dan Infault said some, there are some places, some pieces of the public, he just doesn't hunt. There's just not a good place to hunt them reliably for big deer. And obviously I'm not going after big deer, but that resonated with me because it was like, okay, you're banging, banging your head up against the wall for no reason. So, when I when I set up for this observation hunt, it would have it was gonna be awesome. It was just like a morale booster. It was exactly that. I just wanted to see deer. I wanted to be like, okay, you're theorizing they're coming from this corner. Exactly like you said. Let's just watch this corner and see if they're coming out of there, kind of thing. Um, and honestly, I thought maybe I'd see like a little yearling or something in a turkey. Honest to God, that's what I thought was coming out of that corner. It obviously didn't go that way because. Well, I'll back up one more step. I had to take forever to get up in this tree because it was dead silent. And this tree I was in, I don't know if people can write in and tell me what kind of tree this was, but the pine tree had the most paper thin, loud, like mylar loud, mylar balloon level loud bark. And I'm trying (laughs) to climb up this thing and I'm only, you know, 70 yards from where I think these deer are bedded because I had busted them off this edge a couple days before. And it took me forever to get up in this tree. So... I get there at two. I only had to walk like 65 yards off the road to get to this spot. And it's like 345 and I'm finally set up in the tree. I'm sitting there, I don't know, maybe 35, 40 minutes later. Couldn't have been that much longer because, I mean, it had to be about that time. And I see movement off in the corner. So I throw up my binoculars and I look. I'm like, oh. That, that's a deer hot dog deer you know like i immediately <laughs> felt better like i honest to god if this hunt hadn't played out the way it was the fact that i had changed game plans gone to an entirely new piece of public scouted it midday uh that day felt like i had a handle on where the deer were coming from and then you know followed your advice and set up and it's playing out i was like yes boom done son like this is the you know you're back in the game and so i put the binoculars away and i grabbed the camera and i zoom all the way in and she's kind of following the same path I thought these deer were going to go. And, and this path is like 65, 70 yards away. And it runs parallel to where I am, but doesn't come anywhere in closer to me, right? And so she's going to move into this open spot. I'm like, man, I'm going to get some awesome deer footage. And then everybody on YouTube will believe me that I'm a deer hunter because I'll have, <laughs> you know, YouTube footage. Like, this is literally what I'm thinking at the time. Right. YouTube footage with a deer. And about that time, she's, I don't know, she's probably cut the distance about 15, 20 yards. She makes a right-hand turn and starts kind of coming towards me. I'm like, oh, cool. This is really cool. I'm going to get some really close-up video. Oh, and it hits me. I'm like, dude, grab your bow. Like, just in case you're out here, because I'm 16 feet up on this pine tree with absolutely no limbs. I mean, no back cover, no no limbs around me. I am, this is like the epitome of, I don't think I'm going to see a deer. I'm just here to watch from afar, right? right. And that's where... In the intro, when I said, I think I killed this deer because of the saddle, that's where this, you know, keep that in the back of your mind. So 
this doe all of a sudden like crosses this open space and she did not want to be out in the open. She wanted to be in the pine. She wanted to have some cover. You could tell because she starts running towards me. And it's a good thing I went ahead and grabbed my bow because in a matter of no time, she cut from, you know, 60 yards away, moving, you know, parallel to me. All of a sudden she's at like 30 yards and she's going to come right by the freaking tree. And I'm sitting here, I've zoomed the lens in all the way, and I'm thinking, oh my god, I'm never going to get the kill on video, because I've got this lens zoomed in all the way. Like, she, she's going to come even closer, she's going to come out of these brush, and I look, and I had ranged the ground before, and that's 15 yards. If she keeps on this path, she's going to be standing at 15 yards. So I reach over, and, and I bump, it, and you'll, you'll hear it on the video, I, I zoom out, but it's a DSLR, so I'm like bumping the crap out of the, out of the microphone, and there's all this noise, and I get it zoomed out, I get it on her, frame it, and here she comes, sure enough, like trotting through this pine thicket, and she's dead downwind of me at this point. Now, it was one of those high-pressure days where like everything rises, so I wasn't super worried about it. Um, in fact, in the moment, I wasn't worried about it at all. Right. <laughs> I wasn't even worried about it in the slightest. <laughs> She steps out and and uh, I, I twisted in my in my saddle, so this was a strong side shot. I'm left-handed; she's to my right. And dude, I mean, I was in full control of the shot. I, I you know, check, double checked my anchor points. I double checked uh, the the level on my peep. I let the the pin settled perfectly right behind her back shoulder, and I gently squeezed the trigger, and it went off. And it sounded like a gun went off when that arrow hit her. Blew through her, perfect broadside shot. She makes a huge sweeping circle, probably 100 yards, and then crashes 30 yards from my tree stand right in front of me. And I can tell you right now, it was unreal, the emotional wash that came over (laughs) me in that moment. It was unbelievable because as she makes that swing you know i'm still not 100 percent. you know i make the shot it sounds good but you know you could have you could have gut shot or you could have done all these things all these things have gone wrong over the years and i've practiced so hard for as she's running and making that circle you can't see it on the video because it's zoomed out but i can see the blood around her lips like you know oh it's a good shot she's not going far and about that time you hear me going dude dude go down Dude, just just drop, just drop, and sure enough, she dropped right in front of me, and and it was over. The drought was done. The monkey was <laughs> off the back. The pressure, had, like it was just. But then the fact that you didn't even you went into this hunt with the lowest of expectations, and the perfect scenario just happened for you. It was just unreal. That's it. Seems like that's how it happens sometimes. <laughs> There's been quite yeah. a few hunts where I've gone and it's like, if I see something great, I'm just going in. Let's let's see what happens, and then just everything unfolds perfectly. Like the deer does what it's supposed to do. Yeah, it it goes, and then it's like a, a chip shot for a shot, um, broadside, perfectly in front of you. You, you and you took the <laughs> shot. You got to watch the deer fall, so there was like no worry at that point. Was it a good shot or not? No. Uh, so I mean, everything per- came together perfectly, and I like I said, I had a good feeling. I was like, I, th- I was like, I think Walter is going to have a good shot at something tonight just because he's going to get to where he can see and things that haven't been really working out. But I, I feel like maybe this is kind of what he needs. Maybe he, he just kind of needs a little change of game plan or whatever right now. And sure enough, you, I get this text from you. I was hunting as well. I was just, I was sitting <laughs> kind of the same thing, just doing a, a like an observation hunt uh, to see what I could see. And then I get this text. It's like, dude, dude, 
dude. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my goodness, he must have just shot a deer or something. All I'm getting is dude, dude, dude. <laughs> that was the text, and I'm like, okay, this is this must be something big. This is this has got to be something big. Something's happened here. Um, and at that point, I could care less if I was hunting or doing whatever. I was just yeah. like, oh, my goodness, I wonder what it was. I wonder what happened. Uh, I can't wait to hear the story. Uh, and then you you kind of finally sent me a text like you just shot a big old doe, <laughs> and I was like, oh thank God, finally the pressure's off of this dude. He's finally got something down. Uh, it was also your yeah. first kill for the podcast, so it was. That was another thing. It was it was your your first kill for because you'd always talked about like the curse of the podcast, like that was one of your yeah. things. It's like oh man, the, the curse of the podcast. You even told me kind of coming in, you're like, hey man. The, the podcast can kind of be <laughs> can kind of be a curse. Yeah, I did too. And I got in like it was turkey season, and then I had like one of my fastest turkey seasons ever. Like I killed two birds yeah. in less than a week, and I was like, okay, cool. And then opening night, I go out kill a buck, and then like oh, ten days later, I kill another buck, and I'm just like, okay. So apparently, there's like two two effects for the podcast. One is it's like a curse. <laughs> the other is it's going to be your best season <laughs> that you've ever had, um, which it was yeah. just kind of ironic. Uh, if you think about it, um, but yeah, man, I was I was super pumped for you. I'm like, okay, cool. He, he, like I said, he's broken the ice. Um, now, hopefully, things will kind of start. Maybe, hopefully, things will start falling in order for you. And you're like I said, you're still you're getting everything figured out. Then this is a new piece of public for you, anyways. Yeah. So you, you've yeah. still got more work to do on that piece of public as far as scouting and and getting these deer figured out. But it was it's kind of like okay, now you've kind of. Your fire was was kind of dimming a little bit, but now yep. you've kind of got it. It's been re reignited. Somebody threw some gasoline on that thing for you, um, and now it's uh, it's flaming super high. And uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it's. But now you've got this motivation because I know when I get a kill, it, like say throughout the year, because some some years I kind of go in like I'll be kind of down, like oh I don't have anything on camera, uh, I yeah. didn't see anything really good last year. Um, what's what's this year going to hold for me? Um, and then all all it takes is that one thing, and then bam, yeah. you're back at it harder than you ever were, and that's kind of how it is for me every season. I, it just takes a little kickstart for me, and then the next thing you know, I'm like super obsessive again. Every constant extra minute <laughs> I have, I'm going out to the woods, or I'm doing this, or I, I'm looking at a map on on my phone, so I, I know exactly where you're at right now. Yeah, well, and, and you know. I'm sending you these messages, dude, dude, dude. Like it's the same message over and over again, because that was like the only thing, like I was in such disbelief. I was just so blown away at the fact that it actually had come together. Like she could have gone in a 365 degree or 355 degree circle from where she came out. And it never would have happened. Like it was just ordained that that day, that deer was going to walk by like she just and she did she knew exactly where she was going and i just so happened to pick the right spot and i'm i'm just like i'm trying to like tell people about it and i just couldn't like wrap my head around what just happened and this is why i gave you the backstory people because you're sitting here like this dude's freaking out over a deer and you can even hear me now i'm kind of like rambling and i'm having to fight it and the words aren't coming out right in that moment I couldn't get words out if I tried. Like, it was just not working for me. So, it, it was just such a, it was such a rewarding way to break the ice because, boy, it just, I'm not even going to lie to you guys. 
the, the, the fire being dim, it was more than dim. And I can tell you, I've had a lot of people reach out who have read that post and said, Hey, you know, like, how did you stay motivated? How did you stay energetic? And, um, I just want to tell you guys, if, if, if you're looking for a solution, it's that it's surround yourself by awesome people who encourage you because that hunt was Chase's idea going out that day and scouting. That was my wife's encouragement, you know, Jared and, and Parker McDonald, those guys, I'm in a big, like Marco Polo chat with them. And they were constantly giving me encouragement. It's an, it was, it took a, uh, a village to keep me motivated because it was pretty exhausting there for a little while. That was, that was no joke. That was, um, that was, that was something. So, but I can tell you right now that validity from that one kill. Oh, I'm back. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> I'm I'm strategizing how to punch my second doe tag for this upcoming weekend, and then after that, dude, like I am, it it's gonna start falling into place. Um, I can just I can just feel it because I put the time in, man. If you put the time in, eventually the it it it, it starts to fall into place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and like I said, the law of averages. You get in the woods enough. Yeah. Eventually, something's gonna happen. You're gonna get that encounter. Right. Um, and your is your. Is your doe season about to end? Because you, I mentioned, yeah. I heard you mention something about the gun season was fixing to start, or something in like ten days or something on your video or whatnot. So yeah, you're you're, and then I don't know, do y'all have doe days after that? Or I don't even know. We do. But you're on public. We You'd do. Have to do it on private. No, no. There, there. I believe there's even doe days on some publics. I, I, so I don't I'll think it's all back of them, and look. I know some of the public. Like yeah. I said Florida public lands weird. Uh, right. So yeah. Some of the public yeah. land around here, you can't take a doe on doe days. It's like strictly well, during and, archery season. Yeah, and even the doe days that most times, especially let's just say for private land specifically, it's during Thanksgiving. It's like the two days around Thanksgiving, and it's like the two days around Christmas. Well, both of those times, I'm not home to hunt anyways. Right. So for me, doe season comes to an end uh, this upcoming weekend. So the 24th, I think, is the last. Uh, day of archery if I'm not mistaken on these pieces that I hunt and so after that it's bucks but that's okay because uh, two weeks after that the the peak rut here starts well not peak rut but the rut starts to really get rolling so I'm not worried about that you and I have a pretty good uh, plan for the rut here in this area and this piece of public that I found is one of the the few areas uh, nearby that uh, you can hunt during the weekdays. So I've got two and a half, almost three weeks off for Christmas. Yeah. I, I'm going to be hunting a lot, fellas. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> I'm going to be going after it. Because if you're telling me I can get out there Monday through Thursday when there's other people not out there during the rut, oh, all day hunts, baby. It's coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of them. I'm going to be one exhausted, skinny dude because I – yeah, I can only pack so many snacks into the tree, and I'm going to be spending a lot of time out there. Yeah, you should. I mean, I, like I said, with my job or whatnot, I can hunt a lot during the weekdays. And I have yeah. some buddies that, that work with me. They hunt public land, but they don't have kind of the struggle that you have because they get to hunt during the week. Like, they can go out there right. on, a, on a random Tuesday, and, and there's no one out there except them or maybe one other vehicle or something. Um, so right. it's, it's definitely a little bit harder for the guys that just have the weekends <laughs> to get mm-hmm. out there on the public land because that's when like yeah. 90% of the rest of them <laughs> are out there as well um, trying to get it done too. Hopefully that little stretch, and which is good 
because I should be, I mean, depending on where you're at, I sh- should probably be able to get up there some as well to be able to hunt with you, especially during yeah. like the weekdays and stuff like that. Uh, I should be able to kind of get up there and maybe we can <laughs> tag team the area. Or if anything, I can be a scout for you. <laughs> like you said, yeah. I can get out there and be like, hey, dude, uh, I saw a bunch of deer over here. You might want to think about coming over to this area um, the next time you hunt. Um, just based right. on my sightings or whatnot. So I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good for you. And like I said, even if you don't take the dough, you still have four buck tags <laughs> after that because of exactly. how Florida is. Exactly. So it really doesn't matter. Yeah. you still got plenty of tags left. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, honestly, I I feel like it's one of those things where when the rut starts kicking in, you're going to start encountering a lot of younger deer. And I'm going to hurt a lot of people's feelings here. I, I am fairly – as long as it's not a yearling, that joker – is 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 in danger (laughs) around me if he gets within range so you know filling the freezer punching those tags i'm not really worried about it i'd like to get another doe just because um you know i only have so many days to hunt them but i think next year uh, given the success that i've had uh getting away from people i think next year during bow season i'm gonna try and like flex my hours such that I can uh, maybe take like a Wednesday morning off, you know, like work through lunch the other days so that I can flex and take a Wednesday morning off, come in at lunch. And then Wednesday mornings, I can be out there hunting on these public pieces during bow season when no one's out there. Right. You know? Yeah. It'd be great if that worked out, if that works out for you. Um, yeah. I've been trying to get you to do that forever. <laughs> so. yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. The moral of the story is always listen to the dude named Iceman. <laughs> right. But not necessarily that, but you, you've also have some antagonizing things too. Like even when you're trying to get off, things happen at work where they won't give yep. you permission to get off because you're kind of the yep. fixed guy. <laughs> they call, they yep. call Walter in when things need to get done, apparently. <laughs> uh, it seems like. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully next year it'll be a little bit smoother uh, where you're at and hopefully you can get out and do some of that stuff for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that happened is for next bow season, um, not looking too far ahead, but like lining things up, I've been given, I, I ran into a really awesome fellow here who has given me a lot of, of his places down in zone C that are only about 40 minutes from me. So I can start my, my hunting, you know, in September down there. Um, and not forfeit that, you know, early, early month and a half that I've got down there. So, or month that I've got down there. So I think the future looks bright for the rest of my year this year, but I think next year is looking even brighter. So I'm excited, man. The monkey's gone. I I feel relieved. Um, but you know, I I just want to tie this last thing in and that is, you know, I said earlier, I killed that deer, uh, because of the saddle. I was super exposed that deer was at 15 yards. I hunt with a bl- bright blue bow. And as everybody knows, a deer can see the color blue. I was wearing gray slacks, a camo top, no face mask, no gloves, fooling with a camera. And I'm only about 16, 17 feet off the ground. That deer had no clue I was there whatsoever. And I swear that profile is just so different when you're in a saddle and your feet are up against the tree. You just look like a branch to those deer, dude. She had no clue. I've watched that video a dozen times, and when I went meh to get her to stop, she looked my direction, but she never once looked up. Right. You know, so yeah, it, it was cool, dude. It was a cool experience. It kind of validated the whole system that I had. Yeah, the, the saddle definitely helps when you're on a tree that's exposed like that because, like I said, if you'd have been yeah. in lock-on, you would have been, like, facing her way. Like, you, your lock-on right. would have been hanging out. You'd have been more exposed. Yep. The, the saddle gets you behind the tree, so you can kind of hide yep. behind the tree as well. Yep. 
um, which is one of the benefits of the saddle amongst a bunch of other benefits that it has. Um, so that that's one of the cool parts um, for me. And it probably helped you with the filming too because it was all like right in front oh, of absolutely. you. Oh, absolutely. So not necessarily yep. that it helped you get the shot. It also helped you get it on camera. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it, the whole system worked worked wonderfully. And you're right about having the deer. When the deer comes out, she's I'm behind the tree, so it's not until I, I'm taking the shot that I'm even like silhouetted to her. You know, it, it just it was all like right. I mean, my camera arm didn't stick off the tree because I was coming. The camera arm comes from the from my left side up underneath my bridge and is facing my right. So like the whole profile just looks a whole lot more natural. It just blew my mind that she didn't see me. Or, you know, she didn't pick me out or anything. It was really cool. There was just so many awesome dynamics that went into that that hunt, man. That was just special. I don't think I'll forget about that <laughs> one for quite some time. Yeah, well, like you said, it was a bunch of firsts for you. So any yeah. anytime you got that many firsts going for you, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to forget. Yeah. And like you said, you can relive it forever now because it's, it's on the Internet. And you also <laughs> had the hard copy as well. Yeah. So you can go back and look at that and relive that moment forever. I mean, like I said, when I watched that, I was kind of like, man, I need to be filming my hunts <laughs> because I'm like, golly, I, like I said, all three of my hunts this year, I could have gotten on film. Like there was no, I wouldn't have had any issue getting the shots on film. May, now right. I say that, but for the most part, I think I could have gotten them on film <laughs> for sure. Um, I'm not, I haven't done it, so I don't know how exactly how hard it is or stuff like that, but. I feel like for the first one, for sure, there's no doubt the first one. The second one, I might have been a little distracted. Um, and then <laughs> the, the third one, I, I'm pretty sure I could have got all that together as well because he was behind me and he had to work around and that would have just given me a time. I would have been – I knew where I was going to get the shot. You know what I mean? Like I knew, okay, I'm going to get a shot right here on this deer. So I could have already have had everything set up for right. him when he stepped right. out. So. Yeah. Well, and, and that that was the cool thing. Because for me, the the hunt, the the way I had everything set up allowed for that. Like I had the camera facing her. Like it was it was by no means a um, like I didn't have to do a whole lot of moving because the way it laid out, it, it just turned out it turned out great, man. I c- I still cannot believe I'm I'm rambling again, guys. I'm sorry, but I just can't believe how well. It, it it played out because it shouldn't have by any means whatsoever. It shouldn't have played out that well, but it did, and I'm not arguing with it. Right. <laughs> and now it's uh, happy Walter again. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, I'm not making it up when I say I was feeling pretty uh, pretty blue there for a little while. It was it was tough. Yeah. Well, I, I don't yeah. think anybody could would blame you for that because of right. some of the struggles that you've had. Right. And like I said, there's a lot of guys out there that have that same thing going on for them. And it was just, and I I know some people message you, like you said, and it could spark them to get out there again and keep giving it a go because like, Hey, look at this guy. Look, look what he went through. Right. Look what he, he's still hammering at it. He's still managing his podcast, which is about hunting and (laughs) all of that as well. Right. So he's he's still getting after it. Uh, So maybe, Hey, I'm, I'm going to keep going after it myself and they can use you as uh, motivation. Yeah, I, and I hope they do, man. I was surprised with the amount of people that reached out and said that it was uh, it was cool. Um, so if you're struggling, guys, do not give up. It is it is not only doable, but you will likely do it. Um, it just takes a little bit of persistence. I know, actually, I actually think one of the guys that reached out was in Florida, and um, he was talking about how similar the area he hunts is to where I hunt. 
Um, he's over by like, I think Pensacola area. And, uh, so, you know, if this, if this motivates you, if you like the video guys, let me know. I mean, I, I'm not promising I'm going to create another slump or anything to motivate you again, but, uh, <laughs> let's hope not, but it is what it is. No, I, in fact, I promise I won't. <laughs> right. People people go through slumps though. So, I mean, it does. Everybody, it, it happens. Hunting, they, they, they go through slumps. So, I mean, my, yeah. my father-in-law killed the biggest deer he'd ever killed in Florida last year. And right. he hasn't killed a deer this year. I mean, he, he's yet to see a good buck wow. on stand. So, it, it like you said, it, there's going to be ebbs and flows to every season. There's going to be ebbs and flows yep. in the season. So, you just got to keep going. And But it doesn't stop him from going hunting. He still hunts like a madman. So, <laughs> right. you just have to have that mentality. <laughs> you just got to have that lion mentality. Right. So, yep. you're out there. Just don't stop. Just get just, out just there. Just keep going yeah. after it. So, cool, man. Well, I'm glad so, you got to share well, the story. I'm glad we finally got a Walter Phase 1. Hopefully we'll get a Walter <laughs> Phase 2, 3, 4, 5 um, before yeah. the end of the season <laughs> is over. Yeah. Um, and then who, and then get some stuff in between. So, Well, what do you say we go ahead and end this here? Yeah, let's do it. I man. think we've done our due diligence tonight. Congrats. Guys, I, I, I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you giving me the platform to talk about myself today. That's It's a little bit awkward. I know Chase is a pro at talking about his hunts, but <laughs> – uh, <laughs> this is a new thing for me and, uh, I apologize that I rambled. I know that I did it, but I appreciate you and I'll get better because this, like we said, is not the end of my season. There's a lot more to come, but, uh, if you like this show, do us a favor, tell somebody about the podcast. We grow via word of mouth. The money that we raise through Patreon does not go into marketing. It goes into the production of the show. And we grow when you tell people about us. And that's a very obviously been hunt, uh, happening because our, our growth has been, amazing this fall month over month we keep increasing downloads and that's because you guys keep going out there and telling people about the podcast and i appreciate you to no end for doing so so hit you know leave us a review below go to youtube subscribe turn on the notifications look for that video it will drop very soon i promise and uh until next time y'all get outside and enjoy the great outdoors a life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep-sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.